Blog Talk Radio. Sleep, so look out. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. What's that, right? What's sleep? But, uh, yeah, we, we started out there with uh, Weave a New Dream by Deneen off of her uh, Wiku album. I believe that's how it's pronounced, W-I-K-U. Sounds about um, right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. But um, we're joined tonight by uh, a, a guest that we've had before, uh, Reverend Judith Laxer of Gaia's Temple out in the Pacific Northwest is joining us again. Uh, she's friend and priestess um, and uh, has been serving the community out there for nearly two decades. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the you know, the last 18 years of Gaia's Temple and, I don't know, perhaps the next 18. So, um, Judith, are you there? I am. Hi. Hi. Long time no talk. I know. It's so nice to hear your voice again. Hello, hello. Uh, uh, and you sound just like I remember you sounding. <laughs> I haven't changed a bit. Not a bit. You haven't mm. either. <laughs> Although I do want to congratulate you on going so long without smoking I've been following you on social media Congratulations, Phil, that's huge Thank you, 121 days Oh, that's such good, that's so good Yeah, well, it's it, got to do what you got to do to, you know, <laughs> I guess, feel better I wish I could I say that I actually I smoking many, many better. years ago <laughs> Yeah, I remember you saying something about that in one of our uh, comment exchanges on one of my yeah. uh, Stop Smoking. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, you so, know, it was, um, it was, to this day, I still think it's the single best thing I've ever done for myself was quitting smoking. And that was, I think, in 1993, so it was a while back, and I have never put another cigarette to my lips, and I am so much happier, I can't begin to tell you. That was about what um, a couple of years before I started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a while. But I'm back. not going to try to do the math right now. No, uh, don't do math. Don't do math. Actually, no. If I were to do the math right now, that would be about the same time I started. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which actually, my first cigarette was 25 years ago, October 31st. Oh, wow. You started smoking right on selling. Yeah, I was you know, young, dumb, and at a party. Yep. That's how it all starts when we're young and dumb, for sure. Somebody handed me a can of beer and a cigarette. Still don't know how much I drank that night. Yeah. <laughs> It's all a blur. <laughs> because I can never got more than half empty. Mm-hmm. And That's it was right. all cold. Yep. <laughs> Somebody just kept changing it out. It's like, okay, whatever. Hey. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Kali, Sarah, I don't know. Are you still smoking? <laughs> Do I still have kids? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was there. That's what we've been talking about for a few minutes. So it's like it was there. <laughs> yeah. They 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 don't follow me onto the porch if I go out for that. 
yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, can you just tell them you're going out for a cigarette and they'll leave you alone for five minutes? No, they they sometimes stand at the screen door and watch me. <laughs> oh, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, it's like, uh, if you guys start saying red rum, I'm out of here. I was thinking, word Nebraska, what popped into my head was children of the corn, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I suppose we should actually kind of get on task here. Uh, Congratulations (laughs) to you, Judith, and Gaius Temple on 18 years. Thank you, yes, it feels like. It's quite an accomplishment, actually. It kind of blows my mind when I think about it. <laughs> as well as I'm sure sometimes it feels like it's only been 18 days. Yeah, it's, it is kind of a strange thing about the perception of time. You know, it does feel like, wow, how, where did 18 years go? You know, and then sometimes I feel like, oh, my goodness, I've been doing this forever. And, <laughs> you know, it's, um, I, I, I do love it, obviously. It's a labor of love for me, for sure. And I feel, I know it sounds so cliche to say I feel blessed, but I really, really do because I know there have been a lot of people who have, um, well, yeah, a lot of people who have tried to get something going and it gets going for a little while and it's really hard to keep it going. So I think, you know, there must be some good karma going on here, some sort of crazy magic and... I'm just riding that wave for as long as I can, you know. Well, 18 years so far. (laughs) So far, so good. And the good news is I haven't aged one little bit. I'm still just as young as I was 18 years ago when I started. I don't know how I do it, but, you know. (laughs) Keep telling yourself that? (laughs) Yeah, I will. I will. Well, I know when we had John before, we talked a lot about Gaia's Temple because, you know, it is one of the more established community services mm-hmm. in your area for uh, pagan and like-minded people. Um, yes. How did it all start? Well, <clears throat> it started um, in 2000. When I moved into the office that I am still in, um, which was a huge leap of faith for me at the time because I was working, um, I mean, I was uh, sharing an office with another woman. So she had it on some days and I had it on other days. And both of us did, you know, sort of psychic spiritual work and we were sharing the office. And um, then something happened where we had to, leave that building they were doing some construction in the area and i think that building was going down and we had to we had to move out and she decided she was going to just start working from home which kind of let me left me upstream with no place to go and and uh anyway it's quite an extraordinary story about how i found this office but suffice to say that i found the office and i moved in on may uh may 1st right on Beltane, uh 2018 uh 2000 and then I decided that that September I was going to give myself kind of the rest of the summer to kind of move in and settle in and then in September I was going to throw a big office party and so I did on uh, Friday night and then you know just something 
you know how those crazy things happen and you don't really know exactly where they came from? I look back at it now and I think, oh, the goddess just whispered in my ear. And I just thought, you know, Sunday mornings everywhere, people are gathering with others of a like mind and they have a place to go. And most pagans that I know, if they don't have their own circle or their own coven or their own grove or group to to gather with, really don't have any place to find each other. Uh, Of course, it's very different now with social media than it was, you know, almost 20 years ago. And so I just decided I'm going to offer a goddess worship service on Sunday morning on the same weekend that I throw my big office warming party. And um, so I did. And there were 12 people who came, and it was right around the autumn equinox, so I told a uh, revised version of the myth of Demeter and Persephone. And when I was finished, um, someone said, when's the next one of these? And I said, next month. And they said, great. And it's been the second Sunday of every month ever since. And it's just like, that's how it got started anyway. And so Mm. I uh, was offering these services here at my office until uh, I think we had like 35 people in this office. You you couldn't move. They were sitting on the floor, and everybody was on top of each other, and it was really warm in here. <laughs> it was a little crowded, and I thought, my goodness, this thing is growing. We need to find another place. And um, so I found another place, and we moved into it. Um, it was renting, and we we've always rented other places. And early on, I really wanted to have... Well, I still do. I, I would love so much to have my own dedicated space, my own place that we could just call Guy's Temple and we could move in and be there all the time. But there's going to have to be a mighty windfall for that to happen because goodness knows I don't have the bucks to lay down, especially here in Seattle. It's, you know, property is just exorbitant. And um, so anyway, we rented um the sanctuary part of a place that was in Seattle, in one of the neighborhoods in Seattle, that they used to do like a lot of weddings at and this and that and the other. And I had a really nice relationship with the gentleman who owned it. And we were in there, but within six months he ended up selling it to a Buddhist community and we were out. Um, And so next we moved to a community center in the neighborhood. We were there for nine years. And... We've moved twice since, and now we are renting out the sanctuary at Shoreline UU Church, um, which is in North Seattle. And so we've we've been through a lot of changes over the years, I can tell you that, and moving has really been the big ones, you know, because you move location and everybody scatters and everybody likes things to stay the same, you know. <laughs> you go through any small little change and it's a big kerfuffle and ooh, everybody flips out. And so, But anyway, that's how it got going. It was like just this inkling to just offer a worship service, which is, was, is, you know, not typically your pagan thing. But I thought, you know what, I think people just want to gather in a circle and they want to hear stories and they, that that really speak to their hearts and souls and their own spiritual sensibilities and I'm just going to do it and and that's how it got going. Mm. Uh that is um quite a journey 
All that moving mm-hmm. around. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, moving uh, around, it's always, it's always been very stressful. Every time we've had to move, it's been very, very stressful. Um, because, you know, consistency is a lot of, has a lot to do with longevity. You mm-hmm. know, like I've been at this office for my private practice. I work as a spiritual counselor and a psychic. I do shamanic healings and hypnotherapy. I have a small women's mystery school, and I teach out of this office here too. And um, I've been here for 18 years. And even people who kind of, you know, fall away after a while, you know, if they think, gee, you know, I had a reading with who, who was that woman, you know, yeah. And then they, you know, find my card, and I'm still in the same location. I still have the same phone number. And I think there's something about that kind of consistency that really, you know, creates longevity. People can find you. So every time you have to make a move, like we've had to do with Guy's Temple, it's a little disconcerting. And like I said, people get used to a certain way things go, and they get used to the routine, and then you make a change, and it throws things off. So we were meeting at 10 o'clock uh, 10 a.m. on the second Sunday of every month for years and years and years. And then the the second to last change that we've made, we couldn't do it at 10. We had to make it 10.30. And we lost all kinds of people just because of that half hour. It was just, it was amazing. Like, really? Just half an hour? Where did everybody go? And so then it was kind of like a rebuild for a while. And now, um, then we lost that place. We were only there for two years, and it got sold out from under us. And then we had to find a new place. And so we're where we are at now for, I think July was three years. But it's a church, you know, it's Shoreline UU Church. And the UUs are just wonderful. They're so welcoming and inclusive. And the sanctuary is in the round, which has a beautiful sort of pagan feel to it, you know. Um, so it's really the perfect place for us. But they have their worship services on Sunday morning. So this was the biggest leap that we've had to make. We had to move our service from 1030 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon. And we lost a lot of people because of that. Now, some people came back because they were like, this is great. We can go to brunch. We can sleep in, you know, and then come. So it appealed <laughs> to some people who wanted to come later in the day. But a lot of people just stopped coming because they don't want to stop their afternoon, you know, right in the middle of the afternoon and and come. So every change really causes this huge ripple effect in the community. But I haven't stopped, you know, and I'm not going to stop. So there are times when we have greater attendance and times when we have lesser attendance, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. <laughs> so I just create the <laughs> services and offer them, and so far so good, you know. People still come, and they're still they're still supporting us. That That's awesome. The uh, local Wiccan church here in Lincoln, um, has been using the same space almost the entire 26 years they've been around. Mm, I guess it's 26 wonderful. or is it 27? And it's the Unitarian Church here in town. Yep, yep. They've had to change the day of the week or the time of day, but they've been able to use the same space almost the yeah. entire time. They did for a long time during the summer months mm-hmm. use a local park with mm-hmm. the church as an alternative for if bad weather. Right. Uh, and when the church was under renovation a few years ago, they obviously couldn't use the space. I mean, the the church's congregation was having to go elsewhere during that time because the whole building right. was in disarray. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've had their core group that has yeah. been there 
almost nonstop since the beginning. Um, yeah. Obviously, they're, um, she's not acting as priestess for the most part anymore. Uh, so I guess you could say they're a matriarch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, of course, has been there the whole time. Um, their uh, their priest has changed over the years. Her mm-hmm. her and her husband got divorced, and then he passed away. And da 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 da. Mm-hmm. She's with her current husband, who is not the high priest. He's mm-hmm. a priest. He acts as high priest, but he's still going through everything. It's mm-hmm. one of those. It, for the Wiccans out there, they know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they've they've been at it for so long, and it's such an amazing thing that they're still at it after all these years. Just like it's such an amazing thing for your community, for the Seattle area, that you've been at it for as long as you have. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much for us to talk about, but I want to know what Kali Sarah might want to know. Um, well, yeah, okay, so one of the things that I've noticed about starting groups and things is um, how you people from imploding, because, <laughs> you know, you put a couple of pagans in a room, and eventually they're going to bicker about something. Yeah. We tend to have very strong opinions. Yeah. So do you do you have any policies, or is it just something that the nature of your organization doesn't have to deal with? No, we do. We have some policies about how we like to work, and I have – so I started the temple in 2000, and then in 2004, when it looked like, wow, you know, this thing is going to go and it's going to keep going, we decided to become a nonprofit. So we got our, you know, quote-unquote church status so that when people donated, they got a tax don- – you know, tax um, – relief, you know, um, they could take it off their taxes, the donation. And that really established us. And then, but the thing is that in order to become a nonprofit, you have to form a board of directors. You have to have a president and a vice president and a secretary and a treasurer. You can have more directors than that, but you have to have those positions filled. And so I was lucky enough at the time to um, work with a a woman came on board and she was in the process of going through getting her degree in organizational development at Antioch University. And so she used Gaia's Temple as it was was a win-win because she was going to get her master's and she needed a project, like a thesis project, I guess you would call it, or a master's project, and we became it. So what she did was she helped us lay down bylaws, and uh, help us develop our vision and our mission and our values. I mean, I can tell you there were times when it was pretty excruciating to really get down to the nitty-gritty about who we are as an identity and what we really want and how we want to operate and what it's going to mean, and not just as a whim, but to really think about this in terms of the longevity. You know, like, I, I would love nothing more, Kali Sarah, than to know that Guy's Temple is going to continue long after I die. I would just love to know on my soul level that this thing is just going to continue and continue and grow and grow and grow. And so, so when you think of it in terms of that, like, how can this go beyond me? Then it becomes less about only what you want and more about the entity itself. And that was crucial 
um, it was, I will be forever indebted to Jessica Zinda for helping set us up that way. And so part of what we did was create, you know, how do we want to operate, uh, particularly on the board of directors. So we decided that we were not going to have a voting membership we were going to have a board of directors that were the governing directors of the organization. And what that did was solve a lot of problems because, you know, like you said, you get a couple of pagans in the room and they start bickering, or you get any two, any group of people together about how they want to do things, and everybody's got differing opinions and they've different experience and different likes and preferences. And what we decided was that we were going to form a board of directors that was going to operate on consensus, and we were the governing body. So that means that whatever we decided we were going to do or not do, we had to all agree on, and we were the ones who were making those decisions. So that also meant we were responsible for the consequences of those decisions. But, you know, early on we did a survey, and we surveyed our congregation, and it was wonderful information that came in, and it also showed us, you know, you can't please all the people all the time. As many people wanted this, that's how many people wanted that. As many people thought this was really great, that's how many people thought it was horrible and the worst part of the ministry. So, you know, you, you really can't please everybody. And while you want to take the pulse and kind of get an idea about what's working and what isn't, you do have to have like a... I think, a core group of people who are willing to say the buck stops here and we're going to decide how this goes. So that's what we do. And consensus on our board doesn't mean that everybody is like, yahoo, we're all in about everything. Sometimes that means, well, this isn't my preference, but I can live with it. So, yeah, let's let's move forward, you know, because, you know, majority means – more of us like it, we're moving forward, and those who did not vote for it, too bad, right? But consensus means we all have to be able to agree that, you know, at, at least we can live with this decision as we move forward. And that's been really, really helpful. And we don't have to go to the congregation and ask them, do you, you know, every little thing, do you like this color? Do you like this theme? Do you like this? Do you like the way we did this or like the way we did that? We do uh, have a survey from time to time, like I said, to take the pulse about how things are going. But then if you join the board of directors, then, you know, there's kind of a vetting process, right? You know, hopefully it's people who have been attending for a while so they know who we are and they understand what we're doing. And then hopefully they have some skills that we need. We're always looking for people who have technical chops because, you know, we're kind of spiritual people. And, I mean, when it comes to technology, I'm, I've really got one foot out the door. So we're always looking for, you know, a couple of really good nerds to help us out, you know. Um, but also it's a two-year commitment, so it's not a frivolous thing, and you know that you're going to be uh, kind of hands-on working. Like a lot of boards are just you can join a board by either paying to be on it, so a lot of it has to do with the financial support that you give. We don't. You have to become a member of Gaia's Temple and pledge to support, but there's no minimum or maximum to that amount that you pledge, so you demonstrate your financial commitment to the ministry, and then you commit two years of your life, and we meet once a month. We meet on the Tuesday night before the service, and we are responsible for the financial health of the organization, which means we are creating the fundraisers, and that's, you know, that's that's everything right there, right, because we don't have a, a large diocese or a big 
big chunk of money somewhere, you know, that whenever we run into trouble, they can toss us, you know, a couple of out of, to figure this out or change that. It's it's all us. We have to generate everything that we need to keep it going. So mm-hmm. we – I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just – I was uh Yeah, right? It's, it's all about the fundraising, which is, um, you know, its own sort of – uh, challenge. I'll say challenge. <laughs> I'll say it nicely. I'll say, say nightmare for you. <laughs> you can say nightmare <laughs> for me. You know, the truth of it is we've been very, very blessed. There are some amazingly generous people who support us in an ongoing way. And, you know, what we ask of our congregation is that the people who come to the service every month, if they would give a dollar a day, so about 30 bucks a month, and we had about 100 people who were coming to the service every month, we could sustain ourselves, you know, into perpetuity, and we would just have no trouble with that. Of course, not everybody can do that. So then there are people who can't give that much, and then there are people who can give much more. So it, it kind of balances out, you know. And we've never gone in the red. This In, in 18 years, we've always remained in the black. Of course, we've had to cut back on some of the expenses along the way, but mostly what we do is we have the monthly services and we do, you know, pass the basket and ask people to contribute. We do a lot of fundraisers. Well, then we uh, offer eight Sabbath celebrations. So we do eight rituals during the year for all the points on the wheel of the year. And we ask a donation at the door for those. So that's another way that we garner funds. And then we have some other different things that we do along the year. Like we have these two wonderful congregants who um, – are we do wreath making with them and so people donate the greens for all the wreaths and then just the day before the november and december services we go up to their house and they have these these little rings and the machines that you do that you use to make them and they just offer all of this for free and so we make all these wreaths and we sell them for the holidays and so then we get a chunk of change that way you know and we're always looking for different can we do classes and we've got some herbalists in our con- congregation and some yoga teachers and some you know shamans and they offer different classes on different subjects i'll teach on different things and um you know everything from cordial making which was quite popular there <laughs> for a while um, Wouldn't know down why. To, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why that was so popular. You know, all the way down to reading tea leaves. You know, so we just we try to offer different things for our community to, um, you know, to participate in, and and that's something that I think is an important piece about any ministry. Also, you know, it's it's certainly what you hear from the leadership, and hopefully what you hear from the leadership, the priests and priestesses up there that you know speaks to your heart and soul and you know your your drive with it um but for so many people it's also community and social and so we try to provide opportunities for people to gather and some of them are just to you know get together and and hang you know like next month our november service we just did this last year and it was so successful we're going to do it again this year Instead of having our regular worship service, we have an early Thanksgiving meal. So we provide two turkeys, you know, and then we ask all our congregants to bring side dishes and desserts and beverages. And we move the chairs out of the way. We set up tables and we put like one long table down the center, you know, and we bless the food and we express our gratitude. And then we just sit down and we have a meal together. And that kind of community 
it's community building, and it's it's quite beautiful. Now, some of the people have been coming to Guy's Temple. There were some people who were at that very first service who were still coming, and it just it just kind of blows my mind. It just fills my heart, makes me feel so good about it. That was a long-winded answer, huh, Kali Sarah? <laughs> oh, it was great. Um, you know, it, it it sounds like it's a, a very well thought out, and you know, it 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 does take care of a lot of the issues that do tend to pop up in a lot of groups. Um, you you have a group of people who are like, look, we're you know we're the final decision makers. Yeah. Um, that's. Uh, and I, I see a lot of people who are a lot of groups that go with a strict democracy and can never get anything done because there's nobody exactly. who's up there finally saying, you know what, we've heard all the sides, this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At some point, like I said, the buck has to stop somewhere. Somebody has to make a decision about something. One of the moves that we had to make was to the George Center for Community, which had been uh, St. George Episcopal Church, and then they tried to turn it into a community center, and then the leader ended up moving, and it all went south. We were there for two years, and we ended up moving there because it was – much less expensive for us to rent the place than where we had been renting. But we went from renting this community center that was light and bright and modern and beautiful to this old church that was dark and (laughs) um, had very few windows, and even though it was in the round, which I really loved, and there was one woman in particular who was, like, besides herself, upset about it. And she was like, well, you know, who voted for this? She said, who voted for this? (laughs) And I said, well, you know, we're paying less than half than what we were paying when we were at the community center. So, you know, we, we had to make this for our financial health. And I said, and if you're interested in becoming, you know, one of those who is making these larger decisions for the ministry, maybe you'll consider joining the board of directors. And that was like the last I heard from her. She never said anything else after that. Because, you know, people just want what they want, but they don't want to be responsible for it, you know. So. Oh, no, I can't make that kind of a decision for everybody. But I can complain about the decision you make. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't really expect... I mean, I I have some. I'm working with some people that are just. I don't know what I'd do without them. I, I've I've got some loyal, wonderful, creative, dedicated people working with me. Who I I just they they're I consider them friends really more than colleagues, and I'm just so so grateful for them. And they've really stuck by me through all of the changes. Um, not just moving, but changes in how the ministry is as well. Because, you know, like I said before, you know, 20 years ago, social media, it wasn't what it is right now. And so that's like a, a breezy little statement to make, but that has really changed our culture completely and how we connect with people. And in it's in part really wonderful because we're finding people that are not in our immediate vicinity, right? Like you, I'm talking to you two in Nebraska, right? And I'm here in Seattle. There was no way we would have, you know, been connected like this. Um, but at the same time, it's we don't have the intimacy of uh, – you know, person-to-person relationship 
as much, right? Everybody's busy looking at their phones. They're not looking in each other's eyes. And so a lot of the teachings of Gaia's temple have morphed over the years, you know. When we first started, hearing the story of Persephone's descent and an ascent in the spring was like a big deal. Now that's not enough. That's not going to fill the hearts and souls of people. We might use that story, but we really have to develop it, and we have so much more psychological savvy now. Um, so the ministry is really, it's, it's grown not just in numbers and in people, but I think it's matured also in its teachings and, and, and what I offer. I mean, look at, I don't hesitate to even bring up what's going on in our world right now, but look what's going on in our world right now. 20 years ago, I mean, I, I'm not saying it was like a piece of cake. We were, we were dealing with all kinds of madness at that time, too. In fact, I started Gaia's Temple one year before 9-11, and then everything changed. Um, but as it's continued on, we have to be looking deeper and maturing our souls and who we are as spiritual beings for the highest good of all beyond just the seasonal practices. You know, they have to link and, and anchor into something that's way more important and way more larger than our own sensibilities as we go through time. So there's been a lot of changes <laughs> along the way, you know, and I'm just so grateful to all the people who who just keep coming back and and keep keep supporting this this ministry. And there's you know there's temples all over the country. There's a lot of them that are popping up. So that's a really beautiful thing too. Um but not all of them are kind of going about it the way that we are. I know a lot of the goddess temples in particular are mostly for women only. And uh that's not us. Uh, we're open to everybody. Men, women and everybody in between. You know, I'm just yapping along here. <laughs> Did I lose you? Oh, um, I don't know. No, nope, so there you are. I can hear you. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay, I I think we we've lost Phil in some way, shape, or form. Oh, Maybe that's went Maybe I'm here. Snuck away. Oh, there you are. There you are. Yeah, my my uh, my Wi-Fi cut out for a moment. It's it's. I'm using a uh, coaxial cable in my building. No, like a lot of people are then aren't on some super fancy uh, internet mm. service. It was installed in the 70s. Oh boy. <laughs> So my signal sometimes fades, and I'm like, oh, shoot, because I was going to say, I, I had just said, right after you got done talking about um, you know, how um, some of the uh, goddess temples are women only, but mm-hmm. that Gaia's temple is open to everybody. Yes. And then I heard nothing, not even a yeah. hiss of the phone, and I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, I, uh, the same I don't know thing if I'm here out. or not. So I was going to, you know, I was going to say, I'm not even sure if I should bring this up then. And then I'm like, wait a minute, they're not hearing me. Yeah. So I'm not going to have this conversation on my own. And that's almost <laughs> spoiled what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> what were you going to no, say? No, no, it, 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 it's just the the nature of living underground in an old building. Yeah. 
Because what I was going to tentatively bring up, and feel free to 86 the idea completely. Okay. Because it is kind of a hot-button issue. And it's on the other coast. The Pussy Church of Witchcraft. I don't even know that. Oh, wow, you have been lucky to miss out on that. Oh, I don't even know that. That's that's a funny name. <laughs> and chosen I, for a particular reason, yes. They were incorporated yeah. in, oh, New Jersey? Uh-huh. And they are run by a group of Dionics who trained under Z Budapest. Mm-hmm. Correctly. So if you're. I'm going to have to look them up. <laughs> yeah, if you're savvy <laughs> to uh, Budapest's stance on things, that gives you an yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Ooh. Yeah, but since you're totally. And lucky for you, oblivious until I said it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can just move right along, then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know that organization. I don't know much about it. I I do know that there's like there's so much strife about you know everything everything gender one way or another you know inclusivity exclusivity um, you know just. So much was so upsetting in the whole trans community and the goddess community, and there's just so much strife. And I, I guess you know this is where I come from, or this is my sensibilities about it. I'm a live and let live sort of girl, and I can't know what it's like to be anybody but myself. I can't speak for anybody but myself, and as far as I can see in this world, it's having an opinion about how everybody else should live or how they should be that causes all the trouble. So I am not interested in perpetrating that and continuing that. Uh, Our mission statement for Gaia's Temple starts with an inclusive ministry. Gaia's Temple fosters love of the divine feminine by honoring nature and the qualities of compassion and relatedness. Now, that doesn't mean that we relate to everyone, but we can find how we relate, even if it's just on a very human level. I don't have to believe like you or have the same kind of lovers that you do or want the same kind of sex that you do or do the same kind of magic that you do in order to recognize the diversity of life is magnificent and there's room for everyone. That's just kind of where I come from. And so when I started this ministry... I did not want to make it for only women, even though it is a temple to the divine feminine. And if anything, I feel almost the opposite, which is we need men. Well, of course we need men. We're not getting very far without both of us. Um, But we certainly need men to understand the beauty of the divine feminine and the balance that is created when both are honored. So to me... Men really need this work. I mean, we all do, but um, I certainly would not close the doors 
on I wouldn't close the doors on anyone unless they were violent and disruptive, you know, we're not going to welcome people in who want to just kick up a ruckus and cause harm. But I certainly wouldn't exclude anybody based on their their gender or their uh sexuality. I mean, there are people who come to Gaia's Temple who, like, we had one woman who was coming for a while who would go to the 8.30, her 8.30 a.m. Catholic Mass and then come over to Gaia's Temple at 10.30 for the service. And that's kind of a, that's a, that's a broad sort of scope of spirituality right there. And, and why not? And I wasn't. You know, why would we say, no, you just went to a Catholic church, you're not welcome here? That would be ridiculous. I mean, really, the only yeah. reason why there would be a concern is is her walking into the building going to cause her to burst into flames. That's right. And she never did. Madame Cha. <laughs> <laughs> and she never did. In fact, one of the things that I love about the Pacific Northwest, um, and you know what, that's a huge region, so I'm just really going to speak to Seattle proper because sometimes I I realize, you know what, we're kind of like in a little bubble here in in Seattle. It's so progressive, which is just quite beautiful. And we have a strong interfaith organization and movement here. And I've been, I'm part of the Interfaith Council, and they have a lot of events during the year where they have, you know, spiritual leaders from all different types of religions and spiritual paths come together in leadership for whatever the purpose is. Like there's one that's always around Thanksgiving, and it's, you know, the theme is always gratitude, and whatever we raise goes toward the homeless shelters. There's a huge homeless um, population here in Seattle. And, you know, and then so I'll be like the one from the – you know, goddess temple, and then there'll be, you know, a rabbi and a Buddhist and a, it sounds like a rabbi, a Buddhist, and a pagan priest just walk into a bar, you know, but just people from all different types of faiths, and we come together in leadership, and it's beautiful, and it really models, I think, how we ought to do this thing. And on, you know, Gay Pride Day, they have a, a pride service, and I've always been, well, not always, but the last three years I've been invited there, and I represent the Divine Feminine, same sort of thing, you know, all sorts of religions, and everybody gets, you know, 10, 15 minutes to, to offer up a perspective from their viewpoint. And, and then you look out and you see all these people from all different walks of life, we're all sitting here together respecting and honoring each other. It's like this is how it should be, you know. There's some beautiful things that get modeled in Seattle that I wish would just spread around the globe. You know, this is the way it really ought to be. So I don't know the Pussy Church of Witchcraft or whatever it was called. I don't I don't know them. But I can tell you that Gaia's Temple is, is inclusive, not exclusive. Yeah, I was I was thinking as you were talking there. It's like you know sometimes the uh, right coast doesn't know what the left coast is doing, and vice mm-hmm. versa. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then you guys and in then the you middle, have, yep, you, you get yeah. to see your Janice. You get to see the both sides. Mm-hmm. Stuck in the middle again. Yeah. What is that other line? Uh, jokers to the right. Uh, <laughs> Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Yeah, there <laughs> we am, go. Stuck in the middle with you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it provides sometimes a unique perspective for us, being you know in the middle, if you will, of yeah. everything, because um, 
especially with the advent of social media and the increased popularity of, you know, Facebook, Twitter, yada, right. yada, schmackety, um, we, we get bombarded. Yeah. We do. We may be what they call a flyover state, but we really know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> At least those of us who pay attention, and it's like, whoa, what? Yeah, and sometimes we we feel like we're way behind, and mm-hmm. then there's other times where it's like you're just now getting to that. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> you're in a unique position. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're a flyover red state, and we've been doing that for a while. You're just getting there now, California. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But then again, as uh, Kali Sarah will probably agree, um, Nebraska may be a red state. We, you know, may be a pretty much conservative state. But if you're not bothering us, we're not going to bother you. Yeah. You yeah, do your thing. thing. Everything's cool. That's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. You know. That is not the, what's rising in this country. Mostly, is not that. It's not live and let live. I won't bother you. You won't bother me. No, it's you're not like me, and I'm going to let you know about it. You know that's what's so dangerous. You know, and that's a unique thing also that um, I've had to be very careful about in Gaia's Temple because when we became a nonprofit organization or in the application to become a nonprofit, you have to agree that you will not promote any particular candidate, right? This is the like separation of church and state. They don't want to campaigning for any particular candidate. And I like that kind of like put the, the fear of God in me and I just have tried very hard to stay away from the political arena at all. You know, I mean, completely in my, I don't call them sermons, I call them teachings, you know, I'll, I'll, um, and I create the teachings based on first what's happening in season and then, you know, what's happening in our world. And I try to, you know, pull those two concepts together for each of the services. And, but, you know, what's happening in our world is insane and it's getting crazier and crazier and it's getting harder and harder to stay away from it. There are times when I feel like, how can I possibly stand up there and not talk about what's going on in our world? And then I realized, you know, just because we're not allowed to campaign for a specific candidate doesn't mean that I can't talk about the politic of what's going on in the world. And so I've started doing that, actually. And I I don't say that I'm, you know, I'm not naming names, but I am talking about how things are going and what's happening and how we can try to counter what we do not agree with, how we can come back to what we feel are more, um, you know, more our own sense of morality and what is ethical and compassion for those less fortunate and all that sort of stuff. And I realized, you know, at first, it, like I said, it really frightened me, like, oh, I can't talk about anything political at all. And then I started to feel really bound by that. And when I took a look at it again, it's like, no, it just says we can't campaign. And the money that we raise, we can't, which is really what it comes down to is money. They don't want you to be collecting money from your congregation and then, you know, giving it to any candidate. And I kind of took that like as a gag order that I couldn't talk about anything. 
And I realized, no, that doesn't, that's not what it means. And that there are, you know, priests and preachers all over the country who are talking about politics. And so I don't consider Gaius Temple to be, you know, political per se, but I do talk about what's going on in the world and especially about the things that are affecting Mother Earth so negatively and the despair that we're feeling about that and ways to counteract it. And so I I don't really consider myself an activist, but I do believe that this ministry that I founded is, well, it's my form of activism anyway. You know, I'll be up there preaching about the goddess. (laughs) I'll be up there preaching about preserving Mother Earth, you know. Wish there would be plenty of things to talk about under the current administration when it comes to that, and not even having to mention the, oh, I don't even know what polite way to, number 45. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, That does kind of bring up a little bit of a sticky wicket, if you will, considering what the season is, and I'm not talking Solon. Yeah. Um, It's coming up, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, November 6th. It's coming up. Yeah. The old midterm elections. Mm, and thank goodness for uh, accessibility to early voting, absentee, or mail-in ballots. Yes, yes, indeed. <clears throat> Gives <laughs> such a smaller excuse to people. Yes. I put my mail-in ballot in the box at about 2 o'clock this morning. Oh, good for you. Good for you. It's like, yeah. hey, I mean, I'm came a couple of weeks ago. This, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just this sort of apathy, that that's one of the things that I speak to so often in Gaia's Temple. And I think the apathy, like, oh, well, you know, my vote won't matter. My voice doesn't matter. What I have to do is not making a difference. Why bother is a huge thing. That I think really need we really need to counter and wake up from, and the other part of that is that um, oh I just lost that thought on the on the one hand it's that we feel like it doesn't really matter and and I think a lot of that comes from the very deep despair that a lot of us are feeling, particularly pagans, because we're so connected to the earth and we're watching what's going on and we're watching the repeal of whatever good practices against, you know, pollution and, and, oh, my goodness, they're just rolling all that back and killing the animals and letting the poisons go into the water. And, oh, my God, it's just awful, awful, awful. And there's a very, very deep despair that's happening because of that. And when you reach the depths that depth of of despair, there's a hopelessness that comes along with it. And so saying, oh, well, what it doesn't matter, my little vote's not going to matter. It's very natural to go there and feel that. <clears throat> so sometimes I'm up there and I'm like, don't, <laughs> you know, don't, I, I don't say don't despair because we can't deny what we're feeling. And denial is what got us here to begin with. So don't be in denial, but don't let your despair disempower you, you know, See if you can shift it to fuel your action. And that's a huge thing that I've been talking about for a long time now, the last couple of years in Gaia's Temple, is that we can't just sit back and watch this go down. 
We've got to do whatever we can, every action, every little action that we can possibly take. And our vote, of course, is a huge one. So, you know, I've been I've been barking up there about registering to vote and making sure you vote and make sure you get that ballot in for months. I think I even probably began that in January. Like, okay, peeps, the midterms are coming up this year. Let's go, 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 <laughs> you know, to turn this ship around. Yeah, one of my uh, weekly projects, we've been kind of saying, you know, vote since, well, the last election. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's um, an LGBTQ news and talk program that I do every Sunday morning. And so, mm-hmm. you know, politics, of course, is going to come up sometimes right. more than we want. And right. this, that, and the other thing keeps coming up, and not quite weekly, but at least once a month, one of us will say, it doesn't matter personally to me what your political stance is. Right. You want to have some kind of an impact on what is going on in your community, yeah. in yeah. your state, in your country. whatever, and you have the ability to do so, vote. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, how many people who did not vote in that last election, I think is in large part why it went the way it went. I mean, I know there's so many things that took place, so much happened around that election, but if everybody in this country who was eligible to vote had done so, I think it would have changed a lot of things about how, how it all played out. And that's a kind of apathy. That's just like, you know, and, and I, think it's, um, I think it happens also because we've become so accustomed to our privilege, you know. The, we're just so used to living here and being able to have what we want and do what we want and make all kinds of choices, and we're, we're not engaged like, you know, generations before us have been. I mean, when you think about just, you know, the suffrage movement, movement and how some of those women were like, I mean, they were in the trenches giving their lives to be able to vote. And then when you look at, like, a woman in her 30s or 40s who just goes, nah, it's not going to make any difference. I just want to, like, shake her by the shoulders and say, yo, you have a, a duty here, you know. You're much more polite than I would have been. Smack. <laughs> well, I am on the radio, so I got to be careful. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you, and well, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of, we're about halfway through our normal broadcast time. Okay. Um, shall we take a music break? Sounds like a plan. Are we coming back to talk more? Yes, or we are. Is this, has this been my hour with you? Oh no, you are you are welcome to stay for the next hour as well. Great, thank you. All right. So we're going to take a quick little music break and uh I think you'll recognize this piece. All right. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs>
might be a, a, a pleasant little surprise. Yes, yes, it was a pleasant little surprise. Thank you so much. You know, um, this past summer, um, actually last spring, one of the members of Ladies Don't Drum died. And we, uh, the rest of us, got together and played at her memorial this summer, and it was so bittersweet. And anyway, so I just listened to that. I was like, mm, my heart, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was uh, the track uh, Race Against Time off of, uh, is it the only album, Nailing It? It's the only one, the only one we made, yeah. <laughs> but, and I don't know how... But until this past spring, I didn't even know about the drumming group. Oh, yeah. Ladies Don't Drum. We were an all-woman Afro-Cuban drumming band in the 90s. I think we actually disbanded in 1998. So we Mm. were together for about three or four years before that. And we made that album in one weekend in the recording studio. We rehearsed and we rehearsed and rehearsed, and we every gig that we did for like a year or two, nobody took any money, and we all put it in the funds so we could make that CD or make that album. Mm. At the time, the album was we also came out on cassette. Remember those? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I have a few of those. I'm looking yeah. at a stack right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still working on a project that uh, Kali Sarah made possible for me years and years ago of digitizing my uh, cassettes. So oh, that's that wonderful. I don't, you know, kill them, playing them. <laughs> that's a lot of work, right? Uh, it, it can be, yes. Uh, yeah. Especially when you're like, uh, is this even safe to put in the machine? I have uh, copies of sermons that my father did. Oh. And and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, it may not be my path, but it's his voice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I know that my uh, other six siblings would appreciate having those as well. Oh, yeah. That's lovely. But, um, yeah, so oof. we've talked a lot about the last 18 years. What 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 might be coming up in the next 18? Well, that is a very <laughs> good question. Or you think that far in advance? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, in the big picture, I sure would love to know that it would continue on. I'm 59 now. I'm going to be 60 in March. So, I mean, I'd like to believe that at 78 I'll still be up there saying, Goddess is alive and magic is the foot. I told you so. You know, I'm, I'm really hoping that happens. Um, but I really don't know. All I know is that I'm not going to stop. I'm not stopping. And I think, you know, my, my personal mission, I, I truly believe that the divine feminine needs to be restored in her rightful place beside the divine masculine to bring balance back onto this planet. And I am just going to continue with every breath in my body to make sure that happens as best I possibly can and hope that people uh, continue to feel similarly and support the mission in doing it. You know, like I said, I sure would love to have, I, I, I would love to have my own temple. Ah, oh, my goodness. 
Phil. That would just be so wonderful. <laughs> but um, we'd have to find a wealthy pagan who wants to give me a large windfall. You know, so, <laughs> hey, if you're listening and you're out there, <laughs> do do let me know. <laughs> do let me know. Yeah, I think a lot of things would change if we had our own place. It's amazing what can happen. Yeah. To make something like that happen. Uh, the new Alexandrian Library Project is one example that I can think of over on the other mm-hmm. coast from you. Um, yeah. And um, all these other places that are starting to get, if not already been there for a while, established into a f- permanent structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mentioned the uh, Wicked Church here in Lincoln that's been using the Unitarian for over a quarter century. It seems so much longer when you say it that way. (laughs) I know, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, They've been working for a number of years to raise the funds for what they're calling their Avalon Land Project. Oh, what are they going to do? Which is to purchase a, uh, a plot of land, Close to the city, but not so close to the city. Mm-hmm. You know, an easy drive, but you know, you you might see the glow of the lights at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have a spiritual center, if you will, that's open to anybody and everybody to use, not just them. Right. And I don't know where they're at financially for that. It, it's it's not really my business to know. But uh, I know that every gathering that they have, especially the ones at the Unitarian Church, uh, they take donations for the Avalon Project. They also take food donations for the uh, local food bank, mm-hmm. which I bet they're chuckling when they take the food to the food bank because it's Why? it's heavily influenced by uh, one of the Christian churches. They're like, here, the pagans are helping you help other people. Yeah. They're going to be chuckling over that. Uh, Just the the, uh, local Native American community center gets a huge amount of support from the local pagan community. Nice. And then you go to one of our neighboring states and the Native Americans don't want anything to do with the pagans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, figure that one out. But mm-hmm. yeah, when when it is supposed to happen, it will happen. Yep. Yeah. I know that seems to be in some people's minds taking that responsibility away, but it's not. It's that encouragement of yeah. you want this to happen. You keep putting that thought out there that you want this to happen. You're sharing that with other people. And right. it trickles in. Sometimes yep. it floods in. But yep. most of the time it's a trickle. Every once in a while it's somebody a turns the faucet on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that has really uh, shifted for me also, and I think that's in part my own maturity. 
uh, because, like I said, when I was get when I was just getting going, so I was 41, I think, when I started Gaia's Temple, and I'm 59 now. And all throughout my 40s, at every service, just before we passed the baskets, I was sharing the the vision and you know, see it with me, and it's going to be gorgeous, and you know, we're going to have a it'll be on land, we'll have gardens, and we can leave the maypole up, and you know, just and it'll be beautiful in here, it'll be in the round, we'll have skylights. I mean, I was just like describing it and and what it's going to be like the first day when the doors open and what a great celebration you know really like getting everybody all caught up in the vision which is you know in part what you have to do and um but the truth is that whatever we ever have all taken in has just been able to sustain us as we go along and we've got a mm-hmm. little bit reserved and we've got a little bit invested but you know we're we're nowhere now you know and and even if we were able to put our money down like a down payment i'm not interested in freaking out every month about making a mortgage payment that is not my idea of how i want to live so um so then over as time went on and i realized you know this isn't ideal because i do think if we had our own place a lot of things would change for the ministry first of all we wouldn't be constantly having to rent other places and be at the mercy of other people's schedules. We'd be able to offer a lot more. We could have community circles at other times during the week. We probably would increase the amount of services per month. A lot of things would happen if we were able to have our own place. And the bottom line of it is it's 18 years later, and I'm still able to do this work that I love and be in service to a community of people that I love and that I've helped to grow. And when all is said and done, that's not such a bad thing. And, you know, but it takes a little bit more of mature, mature attitude to take a look at that and not see it as a failing. Like, for, I was so frustrated for so long. Like, when are we going to get into our own place? And, you know, I'm not good enough. That that was another big thing. If I were really good, if I were really inspiring, we'd be in our own place now, which is just a ridiculous, ridiculous thing. It has nothing, nothing, nothing to do. You know, um, clearly paganism is not for everybody, and uh, it's you know to take it on like my personal failing did nothing but um, discourage me from you know being my best self. And then as time went on, I just realized, you know, what really matters is that we're able to keep going. And when so many other places start up and fall by the wayside or they can't sustain themselves, and that has not been our story. So, you know, I get to be in this beautiful sanctuary once a month. I get to create this beautiful service that I offer. We have I have so many talented people in my community. We have beautiful music that we sing, and the message that I try to write as beautifully and offer as beautifully as I can. And then, you know, and then I give them a little, you know, whatever we rent. We I, we just write out a check, and we don't have to worry about the taxes. We don't have to worry about the mortgage. We don't have to worry about keeping the grounds. You know, so over time I've just come to realize maybe maybe it's meant to be that I am just a guest in other people's houses of worship, and and that's okay. It would be one thing if the whole thing went south and I couldn't do it anymore. That would certainly be heartbreaking. But, you know, not being able to have it exactly the way I want, oh, well, you know what they say, you can't always get what you want, so not so bad, really. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not so bad, bad, really. Hmm. Not so bad. 
Now, if I recall. So anyway, so when I look to the future, you know, what I hope is we keep hoping, of course, that we grow the congregation. Um, we've got a much stronger online presence now for sure. And also we, um, we have audio podcasts of our service also. So we tape the service when it's going on, just the body of the service, not everything from beginning to end. And then we podcast them, we uh, post the podcast on our website, the Gaia's Temple, GaiasTemple.org website. And you can click on the latest service or you can go to the archives and listen to everything that's been going on for years and years and years. And there's a donate button, so hopefully people will donate if they listen in. Every every penny counts. Um, but those podcasts, I'll tell you, Phil, they are going all over the world. We uh, One of our board members brings up the podcast report to our board meeting every every month and they're being listened to like everywhere all over the u.s and canada of course and europe india russia um uh, the middle east iraq iran india um uh, australia new zealand uh i think one was in morocco i mean just all over the largest concentration outside of the U.S. and Canada is in Germany and the British Isles. But then people all over the world are listening to this podcast. And so part of me feels like, well, they're probably like pagans in the military all over, you know, who are tuning in. Um, but whoever it is, it's always just so nice to know that there's, you know, this, this message about honoring the earth and loving each other and being kind and growing up. And, you know, that's really does my soul good to know that message is getting out there far and wide. So how it might play out over the next 18 years, I have no idea. My my agenda is to keep it going for as long as I can, and so far so good, and to stay relevant too. You know, like that's what I said at the beginning, you know, just telling a myth here or there was really enough. But now after almost 20 years of cultivating a congregation and growing together and maturing and facing different things that are going on in the world, you know, we're, we're going deeper and we're talking about things that matter more. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to serve. That's the hopefully, plan. yeah. Yeah. You're talking about uh, the uh, the podcast report for your teachings made me go, hmm, what's been going on lately for us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, do you uh, know how far and wide this podcast is going on? Uh, well, of course, United States and Canada, almost every single country in South America, Mexico, um, Iceland. Oh, nice. Norway and Russia and China and India and Australia and uh, yeah. Indonesia and Malaysia. Um, nice. A good portion of Africa, almost, yeah, I think every single country in Europe. Uh, Oman. We're global, baby. We're global. Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Iraq. Um Pakistan, nice. Japan. Oh, hi, Daniel. Um, <laughs> chances are I know who's listening in Japan. At least yeah. one of them. It was like, um, hi, Becca, for South Korea. 
yeah, it's thanks to the internet, thanks to podcasting. Yeah. Uh, those of us who have a calling to do what we do. Yep. Whether it be a monthly worship service at the neighborhood Unitarian church that they record and broadcast on the internet, or it's uh, you know sitting in their living room talking to somebody in another state and broadcasting it, or you know they're they're getting together and having uh, uh, services through uh, the Aquarian Tabernacle Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in some physical space that perhaps they own. You know, it's it's a calling and it spreads. Yeah, right. It's exciting. And as I'm sure you have figured out, I'm a talker. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. So, Kali, Sarah, do you want to talk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting over here thinking, y'all make it sound like we're all viruses or something. <laughs> well, to, to, uh, to Mother Earth, we're parasites sometimes. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys are doing, you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> I am oh. not a talker. <laughs> no, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, if I recall, Judith, um, all three of us were involved in the same project a few years ago. What's that? The Pagan Leadership Anthology. Oh, yes. Oh, I was so honored to be a part of that. Every time I pick it up and look at the table of contents and go, wow. Yeah. My little thing that I wrote Mm -hmm. was included with these great things that these people wrote. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. I was just so happy to be a part of that. And if I'm recalling from the essay that you wrote for it, you were actually talking about establishing Gaia's Temple. I was, yeah. And some so, of the trials and tribulations along the way. Mm-hmm. So, wow, pardon me. People keep sending me messages. I need to turn my, my sounds off on my phone, I think. <laughs> there we go. Um so you have people who are listening that uh, might want to actually, you know, read what you wrote instead of just listen to it. Which, well, it's great to listen. Um, they can they can pick up a copy of that. I believe mm-hmm. it's still available through Emanion Press, Megalithica Books. Um, mm-hmm. I know that uh, one of the editors, Taylor uh, Elwood, has been mm-hmm. uh, importing his books that he published through them to his own label. But I think that one is staying where it's at. Um, yeah, he um, he recently stepped down from his position with them anyways. Uh, and as his uh, contracts with his books have come up, he's been republishing them. 
new covers, oh, nice. all that fun stuff. But yeah. But like I said, I think that one's staying with them, or at least it is for now. But uh, another project that I did about the same time, which is kind of related to what we've been talking about, um, is currently out of print. Oh. And that uh, Finding the Masculine in Goddess's Spiral. Oh, how beautiful. Uh, That was a book that was put together by Eric Dupree. And uh, currently, as far as I know, other than uh, some of the contributors who may still have copies, only available through Amazon right now. Oh, uh-huh. So are you looking for a new publisher, or are you going to self-publish it? Um, my article I'm probably going to include in one of my other books that's going to be coming out sometime next year or two. I keep saying sometime soon and I just need to, you know, like firm deadline. I yeah. I need what Kali Sarah has and that is somebody to go, here's your schedule, do it. Yeah, I know. I know. It requires a lot of discipline, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. Um, but I know that Eric was shopping around the idea of uh, publishing the the mm-hmm. book again. So. Oh, that's good. That's a- good from him for a while but yeah um, do you have any interest, aspiration, desire to uh, write again? Uh, oh yes be published? <clears throat> yes. Okay. yes yes I do yes I do <laughs> I mean my, my book I was very lucky because my book Along the Wheel of Time Sacred Stories for Nature Lovers which was published originally by Book Trope in 2014 and then in 2016 Book Trope went under and I uh, contacted Kitty Honeycutt at Ravenswood Publishing and uh, when I went to her website and I saw that she didn't uh, publish short story collections and I just thought you know what the answer is always no unless you ask so I wrote a query letter to her and I said I know you said you don't do this but my publisher just went under and I really want to keep this book in print and she was just delightful and she picked me up and so my book is still in print and I'm very lucky about that so I feel very grateful for that and then I have just completed a um my manuscript for a memoir, actually. And now I have to go through the process of I, I would like to find an agent and um, see if some I can get a publisher to pick it up, another publisher, and and get this thing going. And it's, you know, it's um, it's so overwhelming, isn't it? You know, like you were saying, you need somebody to say, here's your schedule, sit down, do this, do that, do this, do that. You know, because what happens, what's happening for artists now is that we, you know, we're we're the artists and then we have to be the producers and then we have to be our own agents and we have to be our own marketers and it's it's overwhelming and it's not always our skill set. Like my skill set is the art of things. It's not always the business of things, you know. That's why I have a board of directors, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we share the task because they're good at this and I'm good at that and between all of us we kind of get it done um but yeah so you have to break it down into small little doable chunks and steps and then set aside like you know every day from nine to ten in the morning i'm going to do something to try to get this manuscript picked up you know and just put it on the calendar like you put anything else on the calendar that have to get that has to get done 
and it's 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 not easy it's not easy and all your doubts come up and oh i have to tell you i had this extraordinary experience the other day and i um i told this story on a on a a video show that I was on last week. Uh, there's a woman, a local woman, Krista Gibson, who has an online magazine called Keeping Your, um, called the New Spirit Journal, and one of the like branches of it is called Keeping It Real. And she interviews different people. And uh, this year we've done a series of eight interviews, and uh, we Skype them so they're videos. And I'm talking about the different points on the wheel of the year and different ways that people, you know, can learn about them and different kind of rituals and ways to celebrate the seasons from a pagan perspective. Anyway, so recently, just last week, we did one on Samhain, of course, and we were talking about the ancestors and honoring the ancestors and our beloved dead and ways that we can do that. And one of the ways that I talked about is, you know, because the veil is so thin between the worlds at this time, that this is a good time to consult an oracle. And whether that's, you know, getting a tarot card reading or using your pendulum or throwing the I Ching or reading tea leaves or whatever it is, you know, just taking the signs from nature, this is a good time to ask your ancestors on the other side for guidance or answers about a particular question. And then read the signs that come back and I said and then I had this extraordinary experience and this is what happened the other day so I'm sitting at my desk in front of my computer still and quiet as a mouse and my my computer is there and then there's a window just beside my desk and it looks out over my garden and I was just sitting there looking out over my garden and I was thinking about this manuscript that I've just finished and uh, you know I've done everything I've I've had with some people that I really love and trust have read it through and they've given me feedback and I've made all the changes I know to make until I'm picked up by a publisher and an editor I've done everything I possibly can. So I'm just thinking about it, and I'm looking out over my garden, just sitting there quietly, and I'm thinking, is this really what I want to spend my life worth energy on, is trying to get this thing published? And and is my story really worth, you know, publishing? And is it going to change the world? And you know how we do that as artists? We start to talk ourselves down from our own work. Mm-hmm. And part of imposter syndrome it's part of the imposter syndrome exactly it's like really does this really matter and there's so much craziness going on in the world right now is me putting all this effort into trying to get my memoir published really going to be worth it and beside my computer i have a photograph of myself that my sister took beside the word author that was engraved in stone in a museum uh, the new york museum uh, from many, many years ago, long before I was an author, because I decided one day I want to write a book. And so I had her take this picture of me. And so I have it in a little frame in it. And once Along the Wheel of Time was published, I put it in a frame, and it sits on my desk. So it's sitting up there beside my computer, and there's a wire from the lamp behind it, so it's kind of holding it up. And I'm sitting there as still as still can be, while I'm thinking about this, and I have the thought, is this really worth it? Do I really want to do this? And all of a sudden, I kid you not, that picture like jumps up and off and falls behind the desk. I didn't move, but it did. And I was just talking about how we need to ask our ancestors for some answers about things that matter to us and then wait for the signs to see how they answer. 
And that's exactly what happened. And I took it as a sign that my ancestors were saying, you know, and then I had to get down and crawl underneath the desk and get behind all the wires around my computer and retrieve this photo in its little frame. And it was kind of like, no, do the work to get yourself and become an author again. And, you know, I, I just took it as a sign from my ancestors. Yes, it's worth doing it. Don't stop now. You wrote this whole damn thing, you know, keep going. And, uh, Anyway, I just thought it was just so extraordinary. It was it was like, uh, what do they call that? Like kinetic, it was kinesthetic, something moved. It didn't just move, it jumped off my desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I'm quite familiar with that, yeah. <laughs> Has that kind of happened for you? Has that stuff happened for you? I have had my foot bruised because a book jumped off of a shelf at a bookstore. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was the one you were supposed to buy and take home, huh? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just find that fascinating. I mean, it it, it, I, it couldn't have been a clearer message for me, I think, you know. So. No, like like you were saying, you had to do all of that work to retrieve that picture, which reminded you of all the work you did to get where you were at with the That's manuscript. That's right. That's right. That's right. And why let all those hours and all that time just, you know, if – and I think this comes down to this sort of thing that happens for artists a lot, which is, you know, we're so afraid of failure. And, you know, we often don't want to really go for it because we may fail. But – what happens, I think, is that we mostly regret the things that we don't do more than the things that we do. And so whenever I get into that place, I just try to imagine myself as a little old lady, you know, and if I were to look back at myself at this age, you know, what do I want to say? Do I want to say, good for me, I went for it, I was, you know, still young and still had most of my mental faculties anyway, and, you know, good for me, I really went for it. You know, even if it doesn't get published, even if it never goes anywhere, but at least I gave it a try. Or do I want to look back and go, what was my problem? Why didn't I go for it? I could have, you know, could have, would have, should have. So um, I just try to keep that in mind. But it was just so extraordinary to me to get that message from between the worlds. That's what it felt like. It felt like my ancestors gave me a nice little kick in the butt by tossing that photo right off the desk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Good thing I'm 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 okay with this sort of thing because otherwise it would have just scared scared me out of my wits, you know. <laughs> it, as it is, I went, whoa, okay, I'm listening, <laughs> you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. been there, done mm-hmm. that, know what you mean, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and so that's finished, and I'm still writing, and I'm in a wonderful writing group, and we meet once a week, and I'm generating some other work, and I, I, I'm I'm not sure exactly what I'm writing now, but when I read the pieces that I generate in my writing group, they tell me that they think I'm writing, they think I'm writing like a handbook of how to cope with what's going on in the world right now because I talk a lot about working in my garden and how staying connected to the earth as strongly as I do as much as I can is what keeps me as sane as I as sane as I am, which I don't really know if that's saying all that much, but it could be a lot worse, <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> you know. 
And um, so I'm just talking about my love for the garden and things that I do in season and kind of how that's a metaphor for how I'm living my life and um, and particularly uh, recently with the whole, you know, Kavanaugh thing and all, everybody getting so triggered over sexual assault and, uh, you know, I just spent the day in the garden and used working in the garden to process my sadness and my rage and all of it you know by the end of the day I I felt I woke up crying but then by the end of the day I felt you know much much better and I just wrote about it and they said you know that that can make a really good handbook so I think that's what I might be working on next I don't know I'll let you know when it's done but (laughs) I've even got a potential title for you what's that the gardener's guide to coping with life there you go. The gardener's guide to coping with life. I like it. I like it. I've I've been reading the little snippets that you post along with your garden pictures. Oh yeah. On Facebook. I know. And so it's like every time you mention your garden tonight, I've been like, Oh, hey, there's that picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people keep telling me I need to get onto Instagram because of those little scenarios that I'm writing about. And I I actually, you know, see, this is, this is what I mean by technology. And I, so I, I sign on to Instagram and I have an account and I can't figure out how to use it. I can't figure out how to post a thing. I need somebody to sit there and say, go over here, click over here, you know. Well, Instagram's mostly intended for smartphone the use phone. or mobile device yeah. use. But yeah. there is an Instagram app for certain browsers and operating systems. Oh, okay. Okay. As I throw yeah. out Greek, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, internet, internet operating, that's an iOS. I know that. I know that. There was a time when I wouldn't, but now I do. So I would have to download the Instagram app on my cell phone then, wouldn't I, to be able to do that then? Yes, Kali, Sarah? I coughed. Well, yeah. <laughs> You'd been so quiet. I mean, we hadn't heard anything from over there that when you coughed, I thought it was just the bad timing of she unmuted herself. <laughs> Entirely possible. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Are yeah, you Kali, on sorry. Instagram? Yeah, yes. I am, and yes. Um, how are you on Instagram, Kali, sir? What uh, what uh, handle are you using? What monitor? Um, it's author Sarah Berman, I think. It's either author Sarah Berman or Sarah Berman author. I don't know. I didn't set it up. <laughs> <laughs> Where the, here we go. There's my social media apps. And I'm on as RevCast. Which, that's mm-hmm. the easiest way to find me anywhere on social media is search RevCast. <laughs> okay. Yep. It makes it easy. Yeah. Okay. I know you are on here, Sarah. I know you've probably uh, posted something recently or your, your PA has posted something recently. People. There we go. Where's my people? Those are all my pictures. <laughs> I hit people and I get my pictures. Huh? <laughs> Where are my I people? I don't know. I don't know. I know nothing. Set your people free. Mm. No. 
Yeah, I don't use Instagram as much as I probably should with everything else that I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. it was only recently that I found out that there's a app for your computer. And I need to oh. explore that, figure out how that works. Because, oh. well, it's like, uh, most of the stuff that I want to post to Instagram isn't on my phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my phone well, is kind of... Well, mine is, actually. I mean, I take the pictures on my phone, and then I, you know, it would be nice to be able to just upload them. So I just, I got to get that app on there, I guess, mm. instead of trying to use it on the on the desktop. Yeah. Ah, technology. There. Ooh, hey. Instagram app for PC. Oh. Search that. Woo! <laughs> that was easy. There we go. Simple app. And then, like, three different versions of Windows and Chrome. Ooh, hey, I Oh, I know. There's just so much, so much. You could really just get <laughs> lost. You could get lost, for sure. Do you have a garden? Do you keep a garden, either of you? I have nope. a black thumb. A black thumb, very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can kill a cactus by underwatering it. Oh. <laughs> if somebody so, gives me a plant, uh-huh. it thrives. Oh, if that's I buy interesting. it, it dies. Wow. I don't I currently have any plants in my home, but that's because I have a kitten. Ah, yep. That'll do it. Uh, uh, He's two now. He's a teenager, but still. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I think it's just one of those. Well, also if I find it and rescue it, because I had a potted tree. It was a common tree. It was in a pot when I found it, in a snowdrift. And I brought it in. Yeah, well, I didn't even realize it was there when I moved into the place. Sometime (laughs) later it snowed, and as it was melting away, I'm like, there's this green thing. What is this green thing? It's in a pot. (laughs) Huh, what is it? Bring it in and revive it a little bit. And it it was essentially a bonsai because it was (laughs) pot-bound. But... um, the only reason why it went away is because I left it in the care of somebody else when I moved. Mm-hmm. And then they moved, and I lost contact with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I tend to do fairly well when plants are found or given. That's good. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Woo! I now have another icon on my Chrome browser. Yay! Oh, see? That's what you need. Uh-huh. I, I think I've added like five of them in the last week. <laughs> how long has this... Sh- how, how long have you been doing this show, Phil? Uh... Nine years, Ten three months... months. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to round up to 10, but yeah. yeah. 
Uh, July 17th, nine years ago, was, I think it was the 17th, was the uh, uh, premiere. Sitting wow. in my SUV mm-hmm. that I paid for in cash, yay, wow. um, in the parking lot of a coffee shop, borrowing wow. their Wi-Fi, using a handheld microphone, computer okay. microphone. Having begged Kali Sarah to be there <laughs> on the air with me. Yes, I admit, Kali Sarah, it is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, we're going to be moving. Where? Probably by the end of the year. Um, to uh, kzum.org. Oh, and what's precipitating this move? Um, $40 less a month. Yep, that'll do it. (laughs) Um, Pretty much, um, well, definitely compared to what we're using right now, state-of-the-art equipment. Mm -hmm. I I peeked into the studio again yesterday afternoon and was like, oh, I feel like I'm on the bridge of the Enterprise. Oh, nice. Nice. So you go to a studio to do this? You don't do this from your home? or? I'm sitting in my living room, and oh, I'm not sure where Kali Sarah is at right now, somewhere in mm-hmm. her home, I'm yeah. sure. That's convenient, right? That's a good way to go. It is convenient. That's going to be the biggest drawback of moving it to uh, yeah. the other location is it's like, I've got to put on clothes. Yep Yeah And I won't be able to have a cup of coffee Sitting on the desk They won't let you have a cup of coffee Sitting on your desk Not next to all that equipment Oh wow They don't trust us not to spill it (laughs) That is going to be a big difference That's going to be a very big Mm -hmm. difference so I think there, I'm imagining yeah, there's, there's, there's after 10 years, I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no I was just going to say that there's, I think there's a table in the corner to have drinks on. Uh-huh. You have to be very careful. Mm, must I was have just saying that I, I, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was just saying that I, I can imagine after, you know, almost 10 years that, you know, you have connected with and played every pagan uh, musician in the world by now. Is that right? No. No? No. I I imagine that people would be sending you their CDs and looking for airtime on your show after all this time. They do, but there's so many of them. Oh, (laughs) so many musicians... Yeah. Which is a good thing. It's a great thing. Yes, it's a good um, thing. It was only a few years ago that I even heard about uh, Linda Millard. Mm-hmm. And I I have a little bit of her music, but we haven't you know connected right to make things happen. Because yeah. we, of course, you know, for podcasting of music and all that, you have to have permissions. Right. For like theme and all that, you know, especially if you're going through a service for your podcast. You definitely want to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row so that they don't get in trouble. When they get in trouble, you get 
booted. Oh yeah, you get dinged. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, but we have. Oh, let's see here. One of the feathers in our hat. What what we started out with was Dave the Bard was the first one to give us permission. Mm-hmm. And then we sat on permission, unbeknownst to both of us, because we had forgotten or whatever, for nearly three years, permission from Omnia. <laughs> but, yeah, um, a new up-and-coming artist, artists who have been around for a while. You know, we started out with a piece by Deneen. Um, we've had her on the show. Just about every musician that we play, we've had on the show at least once. Dave the Bard being no um, exception. It just hasn't happened. Being, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Wendy but, Rule is coming out with a new album soon. I know. I can't It'd wait be great to, to hear have it. her so on excited. again. Yeah, she's extraordinary. Yeah. She really is. Yeah, I'm on her mailing list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I get those little updates. But yeah. um, we had her on the show a number of years ago. I've only seen her in concert once because mm-hmm. she doesn't come to Lincoln. Right. She comes close. Yeah. Yeah. She was living, I think, in, in the southwest at one point. Yes. Um, yeah. I think she still splits her time between Australia and somewhere yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm not I think it's uh, she spends the uh, northern hemisphere summer and then the mm-hmm. southern hemisphere summer. <laughs> smart, smart woman. That's the way to do Don't it, right? Don't blame her there at all. No, yeah. no, can't blame her there at all. So your show is mostly music, right? And then from time to time you have interviews as well. Uh, no, this show is mostly talk with music. Oh, it's mostly talk. Mm-hmm. I do another show on Sunday mornings that is mostly music with some talk. Oh, that's. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm a glutton right. for punishment. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but. but you know, you said something before about it being a calling, and and that really is true. It is a calling. I think if everybody would listen to what they feel called to and then go for it, we'd be living in a much happier world. I think, don't you? So many people are are um, either don't believe in themselves or they're not really aware of what it is that turns them on and makes them feel like they're alive and on purpose, or they're raised to believe that their dreams and desires are not worth pursuing, and so then they find themselves, you know, what is that expression, you know, in quiet desperation, you know, just doing like whatever it is to get by and not really listening to what their souls are calling for. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's going to be able to have what their soul is calling for as their profession, but, you know, you still can make sure you have it in your life in some way or another. You know, I do a lot of um, spiritual counseling for people, and I would say even more than people feeling like they haven't found love or they haven't found their partner, and that's that's a big one for a lot of people, right? Being in relationship, what's going on relationship-wise is huge. But I'd say even more than that, people are feeling like they're not really on purpose here in life. I can't tell you how many people 
I speak to who say, I, I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And that that's that's something, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a sad yeah. thing, I think. And you know? I'm back again. I faded away, but I'm back again. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so you can say you're a glutton for punishment, but really you have a calling, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I picked up what, where you had started with that. Um, whatever the calling is, I wish they would decide how many things I'm supposed to answer at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can be called in so many different directions. Once you start listening, you hear the whispers from every corner. You have to be very discerning or you get completely overtaken. There was a time where I wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. And wow, did the universe yeah. make it obvious that I needed to be listening. Yeah, it's not good. Still haven't figured out exactly what the who the message was for. <laughs> but that's because I, I didn't take the time, which would have only taken a couple of minutes, did not take the time to go knocking on doors in my building to find out whose car it was. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that that's one of those woohoo kind of spooky type stories. That's perfect for this time of year. I kept seeing a ghostly figure in the passenger seat of their car. Really? I love that. But I was like, okay, obviously I need to be paying attention more to what's going on in the world again, what's going on around me. Yeah. So, yay, and blah, and boom. But, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um... We're actually running a little short on time here, believe it or not. We've been at this for almost two hours. Thank you so much for having me on your show again. I really appreciate you reaching out when you saw that we had our 18th anniversary and inviting me back, Philip. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And want to remind all of our listeners, you know, search Gaia's Temple on Facebook or go to gaiastemple.org to find out more. Uh, speaking of, um, and you were you were talking about uh, you know raising funds to cover costs and all of that. I see mm-hmm. on the homepage there uh, mm-hmm. that you have uh, been blessed to be the recipient of a generous matching fund donation running through the end of the year of up we to four thousand dollars. Yes. So yes. yeah, if you've even got you know, if you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee at <laughs> Starbucks or whatever. Hop on over, yep. do that, or you know, shop Amazon Smile with Gaius Temple as uh, your uh, designated recipient there. Or in the case of some of us, we switch back and forth. It's like, okay, this month it'll be this place, next month it'll be mm-hmm. that place. Yeah, uh, every little bit, every little bit helps, and every little bit is so appreciated. Mm. And, of course, if you're going to go over and shop on Amazon, you know, pick up uh, Judith's book. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> do that. <laughs> I have a copy, but that was thanks to you. Yes. The first time we had you on, you sent me a uh, an e-copy of it. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I, so I wrote that book so long ago now. I mean, I, I probably wrote it about 10 years ago, and it was published four years ago. And, you know, I look at it now, and I, I certainly see I would probably use some different sentence structure here or there, but I still really love the stories. And I think they really um, – I'm, I'm still proud of that little book, you know. I still feel proud of that little book, and I still get great feedback from people who read it. And one of the cool things about it is that, you know, it's one fictional story for each point on the wheel of the year, and you can just tune in year after year and just – keep reading those little stories they're short stories and they just really evoke the magic of the season and i i still feel pretty good about how how it all came out <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad uh thank you for joining us tonight it's been a pleasure um thank you uh, of course we're uh, i'm at least going to be keeping tabs on what's going on for you and gaia's temple Excellent. and you have thank you. you have a message waiting for you on facebook and oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> so uh with that have a blessed Samhain season you too. Thank you. And thank you too, Kali Sarah. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Cut her off there. So, uh, <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Kali Sarah, do you have anything we need to talk about or should we just, you know, hit play on some music? I'm good with, with what we got. It's nano oh, okay. time. I got stuff to do. <laughs> uh, I'm right there with you, and my stuff to do is including 8,000 words that needs to be finished by midnight on the 31st, so I can just devote 30 days. So, yeah. All right. So how about some uh, Liz Addison off of her crown in the sky with Mother Gaia? Sounds good. <laughs> 